And we're back at the Bait and Switch Podcast Studios, burning the midnight oil, doing some introductions for our podcasts. This is the first part of a two-part interview with two professors from Marquette University here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Alexander Ng and Richard Markland Jr. And as always, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast feeds. In addition, you can find us at baitandswitchpodcast.com, our new website. And of course, through our Facebook page, Bait and Switch Podcast. We appreciate all of our listeners, and if you like what you're hearing, please pass us along to your friends. Your podcast starts now. Hola, bienvenidos. This is Richard Wilson. With this podcast, there are no electives. Every program is a prerequisite. The semester is in session. It's season two of the Bait and Switch podcast. And we're back at the Bait and Switch podcasts with my co-host as always, Jim Martin. Hello, everyone. And tonight's guests are, as I've just been reminded, they are a pair of docs. They are... They're professors, professors, associate professors. We have doctorates in philosophy. The first voice that you're hearing is Alexander Ng, Alex, and he is a professor of exercise physiology. Correct. And then Richard, you can say hi, Richard. Hello. That's (laughs) Richard W. Markland, Jr., who will be referred to as Rich from now on. Both of these gentlemen are from Marquette University here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he's with the Department of Mechanical Engineering. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Of course. You're welcome. One thing I wanted to talk about, being professors, did you have role models growing up? I'm thinking Gilligan's Island, the professor. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Professor Plum, perhaps. Is that the guy from Clue? From Clue. Yep. From Mm -hmm. the board game Clue, the nutty professor, Professor Dumbledore. Alex, how about you? Well, um, my early mentor would probably have to be my father, who was um, getting his PhD uh, University of California, Berkeley. I came along, so he decided he needed to get a job. Okay. And so, <laughs> Before that, he didn't see the need for a job. Uh, no, not really, yeah. or at least not according to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what did he get his degree in? Well, he got his degree in biophysics. Believe it or not, his uh, first job was teaching biochemistry, which he knew nothing about. So he went the easy route. He went the easy route, right. Mm -hmm. And this was in Nebraska. So a lot of people don't know that I actually spent my early childhood in Omaha. Okay. The Oracle of Omaha. The Oracle of Omaha. That's what I thought they referred you as. Did you run into the Oracle of Omaha? The actual Oracle of Omaha is anybody? You don't know who this is? Oh, Warren, Warren, Buffett. Warren Buffett. Yeah, Warren oh, Buffett. Oh, yes. Warren okay. Buffett. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And evidently, he lives in a modest house uh, in Omaha. Yeah, and drives in, an in old Omaha. car. And yeah, and which is uh, very impressive Yeah, for a one of the wealthiest people in the world to live, you know, very modestly. Yeah. I've heard that uh, Warren Buffett has, his wife sets out the exact same amount of money. Have you heard the story? So that he can go to McDonald's every day and get the exact same breakfast every day, whatever it is, a sausage, McMuffin, whatever. Because it takes energy to make decisions and to mm. think about these things. How much money I'm going right. to need, all that. He just, boom, grabs it, goes on his way. And then he can focus his energy on the important things. That's so. that's great. Yeah. Richard, your early professor mentor? <clears throat> I never had one. 
So in how fact, did you get in into fact, this? I never really thought about being a professor until I was 32 years old. What were and you before that? Before that, I was thinking about being a visual artist, an industrial designer, and which I had done for four years at IBM. Then I went to graduate school in engineering at the Ohio State University. Oh, yes. You got to slide that in there. <laughs> well, the, you have to use the definite article. So, and then my plan was to, to get a master's, and which took three years. And I have to credit my wife because she really, um, she encouraged me much to do this. Oh, great. And to leave IBM back in 1984, actually 1985, when IBM was big and bountiful. And what happened is it was one of the smartest moves that I made. Hmm. Because up until that time, IBM had never laid off an employee in the history of the company. And they bragged about it. <laughs> sure. You were the now, first on the block. And, 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 and so when I, so, got so, a guy. <laughs> so let me, so I was there. I worked as an industrial designer. I learned a lot. And I was there for four years, 1981 to 85. And when I left IBM in 1985 and I announced I was leaving, people were shocked. Sure. People right. said, how can you how leave can you that? IBM? Yeah. Actually, and it was just by luck that I did that because in 1990, IBM started laying off people, mm -hmm. hemorrhaging people. Yeah. And I would have been one of those in the early 90s. And it was just really fortuitous that I got out. Yeah. Nice. So uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is generations. Now, every generation, they worry that the next generation is losing it, is, is losing their way, and things are going to heck. I'm sure that the Stone Age people worried about the Bronze Age kids, right? You know, with all their crazy smelting oh, yeah. and stuff sure. like that. If we were to take away your technology, what age would you be in? Where would you want to be? Or no, where no. What, land, where, where where's your enough? level of expertise? How could you, oh, you, know, oh. could you fend for yourself? Oh. You're like survivor. Oh, Iron. Oh, I see. Iron Age. Oh, oh. We're talking um, swords, swords yeah. air, bows and arrows, uh, the whole bit. Do you think you can construct these elements? Uh, I could construct a bow. You can construct yeah, a bow. Definitely. And I probably need someone to help me with the, uh, the arrows. Rich? Bronze Age? Uh, what do you think? I think it would be the late 1800s on the prairie. You'd be on the prairie. Oh, I would no. be on the prairie yeah. because I can, I'm pretty good at carpentry and I can do a little bit of masonry. I'm very good with my hands. I can make things. And also, I, I know how to garden. And I could okay. probably grow enough for me and my family. I think it would be like late 1800s no, in the no, U.S. Prairie. If I were 18, late 1800s, though, I would be captain of a steamship. Because it would be full-on steampunk. <laughs> I mean, uh, none of this gardening stuff. We're talking <laughs> steam power, um, time travel, the whole Time day. travel. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, holy God. What, what age is that? H.G. Wells, 1880. <laughs> that's steampunk. Okay. I mean, we're talking parallel universe. All right. Our parallel universe. Sure. Come on. You know. Keep up, would you please? We're talking parallel universe yeah. here. I think about like technology, like something as simple as glass. Imagine way back when somebody like a Steve Jobs coming on stage and talking about his new technology. It's a wall that you can oh, see yeah. through. Imagine how freaky glass was when they first developed it. Yeah. Can you make glass, Alex? I could not make glass. I would. I, I wouldn't would even know yeah. where to start. Where do you start? Uh, Straw. Oh, I'm so you go to go to a beach, right? Get some sand. Yeah. 
and then after Light you finish um, forging your swords, I guess you throw <laughs> some in, make it hot enough, and see what happens. The one <laughs> thing about glass, it's right. a liquid. It is always changing. And if you look at some of the old glass windows from houses that are over 100 years old, mm -hmm. what you will see is, if you look at it from the side, is that the glass will sag and it's thicker on the bottom than the top. Yeah. It is hmm. a fluid. Well, Chris, I think we've made a mistake here. Why is that? Because <laughs> he's talking way over my head. Talking could you, Rich, could you make glass? <laughs> could, you, you, could you do it? Uh, no, right now, but I can learn things pretty quickly. If someone were to show me how to do it, sure, I could, I'll buy the equipment and I could do it. This is the confidence that allowed you to leave IBM, minimal. I, I grew up in a family of seven boys. But when my parents really, and I have tremendous love and respect for my parents, who are both living and they're 92 years old and they're living in St. Louis, they really taught us to be independent. And I, I'm not here bragging, but if there's something I really cannot figure, don't know how to do, I can learn it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, won't be very, I won't be an expert. Mm -hmm. There is that talk about how today's generation, which I'm going to get into a bit, well, doesn't know how to do basic things, right? Can't change oil in the country. But, but that's the not their laundry. fault. Correct. Because they were never taught that. Alex and I worked with millennials Actually, every you day. Know, you know what? Oh, Actually, yeah. I was going to say, this is bleeding into the topic, which I was going to get to. Every generation complains about the next generation, right? But what I want to hear from you two is not the negatives, but the positives. What of this generation of young people that they're doing better than we did? Where do you see well, that? That's interesting because we just came off of a horrible couple of days where we lost all our snow. So we've lost all this snow and there's a lot of uh, talk where you can't escape it about uh, climate change, global warming. And I think that this will ultimately be, sol be solved by the next generation that's coming up. If you look at what kids are getting into, they're all going into environmental science, environmental engineering, uh, something that has to do with sustainability, mm -hmm. and it's ingrained in them. Um, right. I think that they're they're going to um, solve our messes. Rich? Uh, well, it's really, and I wholeheartedly agree with Alex, it's really survival. Survival for these people. Now, mm -hmm. so one of my friends who has a strong, uh, strong knowledge base in the environmental science says, you should not talk about the survival of the planet Earth. The uh, yeah, planet right. Earth is a rock. Right. Yeah. The planet Earth will survive whether there are people on it or not. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so really, though, the key question is this. Are we going to sustain the Earth so that it is hospitable for human life? Mm -hmm. If we don't do that, then we're going to have to do something else. Possibly, and my son, who's 23 and he's a kind of an entrepreneur in Chicago, he says there is going to be colonization, the moon, Mars, etc. So going back to what Alex said is that for the next generation, it is going to be survival. Mm -hmm. There are 7 billion people living yeah. on the planet right now. Do you know, let me just ask you this, how many bushels of corn can a typical farmer 
harvest from an acre. Hey, we'll ask the questions here, pal. Okay. <laughs> what? We'll ask the questions yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> is, that with, I, is that with an iron? But I, the, uh, the, the reason, the, the, here, here's, here's the reason why I'm saying mm, is this, sure. is that it's about it's 200 bushels right. of corn from one acre. Do you know what it was 100 years ago? 50. 50. All right. <laughs> oh, dude. Whoa. Four times in 100 Wait years. Wait for the answer. I had it. Oh, you already yeah. had it. I'm sorry. I had it. Well, well the, the thing is this. Our crop Wait, yields are the, my This thing, is right? why, how are we going to feed all of these people? Mm -hmm. Three meals so a day. It's three it square is going meals. to be Plus it's, a little it's, snack. They're going to have a snack probably. They're probably yeah. going to have a snack. Yeah. Maybe two snacks. I mean, I, do, I eat dessert. I don't eat breakfast. So that so that yeah, okay, that's my good. snacks. So that's, that's good. good, right? What, that helps I, the planet. I was going to ask: When we go to Mars, will we be seen as liberators? Sure. <laughs> I hate to laugh well, at my own joke, but nobody laughed at it. <laughs> well, my son, his name is Davis Marklin. He lives in Chicago. His goal, long-term goal, is to start a company that is going to be kind of the Amazon logistics distributor company for Mars. He, he has read several books about Mars. Okay. He's not a Martian, but he has... He's uh, on the ground floor with this. He's, he's on the ground right floor, here. but he's he, I would say he's a Mars aficionado. And what are. he says is this. He said, this is a once in a millennium opportunity mm -hmm. to create your own colony, your own government, mm -hmm. everything from scratch. But I think it would be simpler if we tried to solve the problems here on Earth. I think that would be simpler than, yeah, colonizing a different One planet. One would think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say this. My skepticism involves what you talked about earlier, which is 7 billion people turning into 10 billion people. The, the biggest variable that's out there is brain power, right? Brain right. power Absolutely. solves a lot of things. And so Generation Y and Z here are going to solve a lot of these problems that seem insurmountable to us right now. I am one of the most optimistic people whom you will meet. And working with the, the students, the millennial students, I am really impressed. Hmm. One of the things that they have learned that, and I am a, I'm a baby boomer right smack in the middle, 1956, baby boomers, 1946 to 64, 76 million, although we've lost about four or five million now. You know, because they're getting old and die. Right. But the, the ba you know. <laughs> what? We kind of figured what? that. I made, yeah. it to an, I made it to another year today. Thank you. Thank you Happy very much. Yeah, 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 I mean, every day we're, we're aware they didn't boomers. go to Mars, all right? Yeah, yeah. And every day we're losing baby boomers, right? Because yeah. they're getting old they and they're dying. Every day we're losing, you know, X number of uh, World War II soldiers, yeah. right? Right, right. we got to fix it. What's going on? Why are you killing all these people? That's what we should be focusing yeah, on. Focus. Forget about this Mars. 10,000 of them dying a day. Uh, again, happen. again, I truly believe it's, it's going to be easier to fix our problems on Earth, <laughs> no matter how insurmountable they appear, than to colonize Mars. I truly believe that. Yeah, I agree. The problem is, uh, well, of course, that we have to have a, a good majority of the planet actually agreeing on this. Think about colonizing Mars and now the 7 billion people on this planet have to actually agree how is that going to work out there? I mean, I find it uh, interesting to think we can't even desalinate water yet, but we're going to go colonize Mars. So that's a little bit interesting. That, that is um, actually, Jim, a very astute point. I would describe that insight. That would be perspicacious. 
I'm a nascent etymologist. And perspicacious literally means to mm-hmm. see through. He sees through the clutter, the core. Right. Jim that's perspicacious. Light. No fluff. I'm a no fluff kind of guy. In other words, <laughs> he's smarter than he looks. He's, he's smarter than all, he's smarter than I mean, all of yeah, us here. Yeah. I mean, because he doesn't look, look at him, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you weren't picking that up before you got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. When you Nobody walked does. in, I no. saw the skepticism. And, right. Yeah, but how do we get into here? Kind of scratching the head. No. Kind of, yeah. See, this guy? Yeah. What about the moon? What is the gravity? Is the gravity the moon? You're like half the it's, weight or something yeah. like that? No, it's one. Isn't it one sixth? Yeah, by, by the way, one of the things you should never say to a woman. No. Go ahead. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should never say zero gravity. When you're out in space, you say microgravity. Likewise, you should never say Coke Zero. Right. Right, right. You should, you should never. And then, I'm looking for Rich's reaction here. He's well, well, actually, but 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 you know what they do though is this: you have to you have to look at the USDA rules for rounding. Okay. So they should really be saying Coke rounded to zero. Right. When they write these rules, they'll say something like, "If it's less than point zero five calories, you can round it down to zero. Um. I was thinking about the generation. They've got all these different generations, right? The greatest generation. That's a little. Is that me? Yeah, that's a little. I thought that was just me. <laughs> no, that's uh, the the generation before World War II. After the greatest generation, you got the silent generation. You don't hear much about them. No. <laughs> and, and then you got the baby boom of what you re- what you referred to. Boomers. And then they went with this Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. Why? Why just gave pick, up with these? Why didn't they pick a letter <laughs> higher in the alphabet? Yeah. Start with Q or something. They didn't. They didn't think of that. Yeah, you got to go with a letter that's cool, and cool letters are ones that don't get used off. Right. Q. X, Y, Z, Q. Q. Yep. E is not cool in in no. any context. Alex, give me your top five cool letters. M M X. M M X. Yeah. P P P P O T. Do you or have you ever felt left out because you don't have a vowel in your last name? Have no, you ever actually, been made fun of for not yeah, having I mean, do people or Mr. Vowelless? Uh, yeah. Mr. Vowelless. Can I buy a vowel? Mr. Loy. Oh, people call me Mr. Wynn. It's a no-win situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a no-win situation. Yeah. I think it's, and it's, it's yeah, actually an abbreviation. Win, yeah. A lot of people, they, they say that you're missing a vowel. Oh, wait, wait, for what? It's an abbreviation for what? for nice guy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, so they call him Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, Mr. Nice Guy. Right. Ng Ing is what type of name? It's uh, it's Chinese, Chinese, or it's a Chinese ancestry. Yeah. Does it mean Smith or something, or <laughs> is it anything? Oh gosh, you guys are. Because ah, I know what it means. It's your name. It's your name. Hey Alex, how many? Do we have to go to ancestry.com? Okay, now here's one for all you listeners, and someone will probably know this. Someone tried to explain it to me once, probably my, my dad. And Good guess. apparently it's the same as woo. <laughs> like so, is the same as woo. Like, like woohoo? Like woo. Yeah, woo-hoo. But, but then, so then people are here comes a nice guy. There's different games like mm, yeah. mm, 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 mm. That's actually how it's supposed to be pronounced. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Like that. Oh, yeah. he's doing it right. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Mm. Right. Yeah. Chris. Well, I don't know. Come on. I'm, pre- I'm precapacious. No, <laughs> <Perspicacious>. <laughs> <Perspicacious>. <laughs> Now, uh, uh, you said Chinese. Yes. How many generations back do we got to go to Chinese That's uh, another relatives? one. Um, it depends on who you talk to, but I'm talking to you. Between... Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah I'm not going to talk to anybody <laughs> else tonight. Sounds good. <laughs> Chris, Chris why ask me that question? <laughs> Have you been to China? Um, as a tourist. Do you speak Chinese? No. Okay. 
which is kind of interesting because my wife, um, Carol, does speak some. So when we went to China, she was the hero. Oh, sure. People would look at me. They'd say something to me. I don't speak in Chinese. And they'd, she'd say something. <gasps> Everyone would gather <laughs> she, around she, and start pointing and is smiling. Is she Chinese? Yeah. And then, but, no. No, no I don't think. Yeah, I think that's Oh, yeah. I guess that was kind of She's point. not yeah. Chinese. Yeah, right. And then people would look at me and they don't believe that. I Let don't me stop. Speak Jim, Cantonese. can you tell the story? It'd be better if you told it. So, All right. Uh, yeah. So we're in China. And, <laughs> no, he's uh, in China with his yeah, wife, I mean, I mean, who's yeah, not well, Chinese. Not with my wife. He appears to be Chinese. They were frustrated. They turned to his wife, who is who is not Chinese. And she started speaking like the translator. She had a crowd gathered around. Yeah. And they started lifting her up and saying, ing, 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 woo, woo, you know, like that. And, and off they went with her. Yeah, yeah. See, Jim, so, Jim tells a better story than very, Alex. Very, he does. What, what, very perspicacious. 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 Yeah. perspicacious. And the noun version would be perspicacity. Perspicacity. Uh-huh. Isn't that from uh, Mary Poppins? Yeah. Wasn't there yeah, something yeah. about that? So yeah, there's, uh, there's you know, I asked about the, the, uh, the positives and that's really what I want to emphasize about generation Y and about the uh, generation Z. What about, and I don't want to dwell on this, but, uh, where do you see the next generation going wrong that they should maybe listen to their elders a little bit more? Get off their phones. Yeah. yeah. I think they need to do more analog, multisensorial activities. Mm-hmm. I agree. As the perspicacious one, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure they would agree if they knew what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> well, well, I, I think if you look back at the most pleasant experiences in your life, they were multisensorial. Mm-hmm. Okay. I pull out my phone and I can feel it. Yeah. But it's mostly visual. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes I, I can hear something. Mm-hmm. Now, you compare that to a woodworker. You're in a woodworking shop. A glassmaker, right? maybe, too. Glass or the glass, yeah, yeah. glass. Or bows. Right. Right. Making a bow. You're a bow. Yeah, right. Yeah, making swords. Right. Oh, making swords. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. But I'll talk about woodworking because that's really... I came of age in a in the carpenter shop, in the woodworker shop. <laughs> okay. I really I, we don't want to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it was locked and nobody else was there. It, 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 was, it was, and, and we weren't violating any laws. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm, okay, yeah. Anyway, not, you know, but, this is but, PG. You know, I don't is, want to hear about what happened in the woodworking shop <laughs> that apparently you've got fond but, memories but when, of. When but when you are cutting a piece of wood, and just this morning I was using a table saw at the university because I do my own artwork, and when you're pushing it through, obviously you're using your sight, Mm-hmm. But you're also the sense of uh, sound is very important because if you hear mm-hmm. a different sound, it may <laughs> indicate that you hit there's, there's going to be kickback. Mm-hmm. So that's very oh, important. Yeah. But not only that is you can smell the wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when 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 you cut like a piece of wood, what you're doing is you're opening up all of those pores of the wood, and you're smelling it. <laughs> I feel like I'm coming of age. <laughs> right. But but we're not done yet because you can taste it too. Because those particles of sawdust become impregnated into the air and you can taste a little bit on your lips. This is that's, very that's, sensual. 
Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. And that, that, that is that that is the that's the mother load. I'm there in the, the, the I'm there in the shop right now right, right. as he's telling yeah, the story. Yeah, that, that's, I, my mind, that's the mother load of yeah. multisensorial activity. I can't wait to get home and fire up my handsaw. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> and what's really cool is when you cut your thumb off. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's part of the sensors. Yes, exactly. Sensors. Multisensorial. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking yeah. we've got the professors here. <laughs> I'm I think we're gonna call this episode the professors. The professors, sure. The professors and Marianne. And Marianne. Ah, uh, in Gilligan's Island, the professor, what was he professor of? Anybody? What, oh, see, see, see the thing is, he, he was, well, actually. He was kind of a multi well, like actually, yeah. though, like he, general he practitioner. Was, there's no person who could ever have the knowledge base that he did. That breadth and depth of knowledge? As you, the professor? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's why they call him. See, we both agree yeah. here. Yeah. That's why they call him the professor. It's yes, like right. the, the Ohio professor. State University, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The he, professor. He, that's right. He is called the, the professor and Marianne. And yeah. see, and yeah. it's the difference between the definite article, the, mm-hmm. and the indefinite article, a. Yes. That's right. You know, as we wrap up the first half of our interview here, is there any commonly scientific belief that you would like to either debunk or rebunk? Because I've got one. I, here's another thing I want to debunk. Yeah. People will talk about when they get in car accidents that, like the drunk driver, he's nice and oh, relaxed right. and loose and doesn't get injured, but the person that braces it's, themselves yeah. you know, yeah. gets injured. Whenever you're in a plane or whenever you hear about uh, a plane crash on TV or in the movies, the pilot doesn't say get loose for impact he says brace for impact right maybe that's the problem they don't say get loose you want to be braced uh for impact i mean that that might be the problem that might be why we have so many deaths in airplane crashes you know what (laughs) right that is the second perspicacious insight there is that thought that people think well he didn't know it was coming therefore he could be loose but famously harry houdini died because he wasn't braced for impact. Oh, right. Yeah, he was hit in the stomach. Yeah. Right. When he wasn't ready. Some guy caught him off guard and hit him. So to end the first half of the podcast, I just want to say to our listeners. Brace for impact. It's the Bait and Switch podcast. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for the conclusion of our interview with Marquette professors Alexander Ng and Richard Markland Jr. As it turns out, Richard proves to be a keen judge of talent. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. That is You know, you actually, you're quite humorous. <laughs> Did you ever think of doing something? Like, you know, maybe you can have a pod show. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.